Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. I'm Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine is here with me today for another joint episode, which is customary for us after we come back from one of our quarterly breaks. We hope that you have arrived back refreshed and rejuvenated as we kick off a Halloween episode with a horror story theme. A little bit of background as to how this episode came about because it's the first time we're doing it as we uh, quite quickly approach our third birthday for the the podcast. Um, There was one evening where I was chatting with Diana Trevely, who's a great woman in compliance and friend of the podcast, and I had a story to tell her that was way too lengthy to do a one-finger texting uh, message with. So I sent her a, a, a voice message, which um, Lisa Fine, I think, occasionally gets from time to time as well. If I have something that's overly lengthy, off it goes as a voice message. And Diana's um, response was, oh my goodness, that is a horror story. You should do um, an episode full of this kind of thing for Halloween for the podcast. So with much gratitude to Diana for coming up with the idea for this episode. We hope um, and intend that it will be a relatively light-hearted episode. And while many of the things are situations that felt pretty awful at the time, um, or at the very least eye-rolling, they're the kind of thing that uh, with the passage of time um, and good humor, we can look back on and, and laugh about. So without any further ado, the first one is um, a little story that happened to Maeve O'Neill. Maeve was attending a performance review with her manager and uh, brought up her text messaging. Um, I, I believe this was a virtual performance review meeting and texted her husband to say that she hated her job and wanted to leave. Unfortunately, and I believe this is a neuro-linguistic programming thing, her brain was really thinking about her boss and she texted her boss during the performance review to say how appalled she was um, and wanted to leave instead of the intended recipient of her husband. I think we've all been on the receiving end of one of these horror stories before. Uh, With me, I I do it most often with reply all and email. Uh, I did it more often in the 2005-2006 era when it was a little more new to us um, doing doing business emails, or at least for, for me as I was um, just fresh out of university at that time. And I've grown to, um, to, to be better accustomed to checking, but there is nothing like that cold feeling in the pit of your stomach when you send out an email and you know you need to recall it. Lisa, what have you got for us? All right. Well, thanks. I have one in a, in a, in a topic that probably has caused everybody not everyone, but many people, a lot of angst over time, which is gift cards, mm-hmm. um, dealing with them from a gift and hospitality perspective. And uh, the person who sent in this story was saying how their company had a very strict no gift cards policy, um, which obviously sales and marketing did not like. And then, and I think this may have happened in a lot of organizations. When COVID hit, um, leadership realized you have to do some alternative things and that this should be changed. Um, the compliance team counseled against it but then ultimately basically gave in or agreed that $25 gift cards could be given out at specifically defined marketing events where online participants would usually get a dinner as long as they're carefully tracking them. So, of course, as you'd expect, marketing immediately put in an order for for gift cards and they put in for $325 gift cards and then had someone send them out to participants. In this situation, they didn't send out an actual card, but a nine-digit code um, And then so that people could get the cards. And when the compliance officer looked to see the record, she was told there were only a few left, which seemed strange to her because 300 was a lot. Long story short, instead of ordering $325 gift cards, the marketing team ordered 25 $300 gift cards Mm. where neither marketing or the person monitoring this had noticed this. And that is one of the reasons that gift cards can be a real challenge. Um, I would also say from a practical standpoint, Use the ones that people can't can't do it through codes that you have to send them yourselves if you have to use those. This could be a whole topic for a separate quick 
Um, mm. So, but yeah, that, that would be kind of one of the things you look at and then you think, oh goodness, you know, do I have to now reach out back out to these people? Cause this could be now, you know, something that may not have been per- permitted. So that was a horror story. Interesting to be a fly on the wall in terms of how they resolved that one, but we do not have the uh, the outcome of that, folks. So we'll keep you in suspense um, as to the various actions that could have been taken. The next one I have um, is regarding a compliance professional who um, had a colleague who didn't read emails very carefully And she told her that we were not able to do business with a sanctioned entity. And then the colleague informed the salesperson that we were able to do business with them. When she was called out on it, uh, the colleague said, oops, guess I didn't see it. And told me she couldn't meet with me later that week because she had to get new false eyelashes in the middle of the day. Um, And Lisa... Uh, I never really expected to be in a position to say this, but I believe <laughs> you have an eyelashes story for us too. Yeah, and when I saw this, I, I've had a lot of these, you know, different things over time. But I thought, if you ever wanted a successful transition, why not have it be related to false eyelashes? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> classic segue. So, so here you go. Um, this is from my my prior life. And I was working in an organization where there was food prep going on and there were facilities for that. Um, Also in my role in HR compliance, very often if there was somebody who figured out, managed to call into corporate to talk to the CEO or someone senior, they were directed to me and I would be able to, particularly if they were alleging discrimination, which was the situation here. So this uh, woman started talking to me about her work and that she felt she was being discriminated against because she was being forced to not have um, false fingernails and false eyelashes. Um, and I understood and I listened. She said, but I, I, I'm in a, you know, I work in an area that there's not food, so I don't understand. Well, the whole facility has that for a lot of different, you know, health and safety regulations. So we talked about that for a second. And then she said to me, I understand the nails, but my eyelashes, they're glued on, but they are a part of me. You're asking me to take my body apart. And then, and she said, and I think I, you know, being discriminated, I'm going to file something. At which point I said, you know, that's within your right to do so. I'm not sure if that'll be a protected class, but if that's what you're going to do, you know, I can't continue a conversation with you if you're threatening, like, you know, lawsuit and being polite about it. But, and at one point after that, and she, she said, but, you know, no one said this to me last week. And so then at that moment, I said, wait, wait, how long have you worked here? She's two weeks. It's my second week of probation. Um, and I just was amazed that, you know, there's this much initiative. And I and I rarely would do this. But I said, you know, it really is a rule you have to follow. But I'm not sure if these, you know, this might not be the perfect thing, you know, for you. I broke out of my normal character because I felt if you're already this upset about this, you know, eight days in, which is how many days it had been. Mm. may not work out down the line, but I mean, I couldn't believe the, the eyelashes, you know, the discrimination on the basis of false eyelashes. So if anyone has ever heard of a successful claim on that, let us all know. Mm, mm, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for that, Lisa. <laughs> so the next one we got reads as follows. I was helping a client in Italy revamp their entire compliance program as part of some remediation efforts. We brought in an independent assessor who was going to make a report to the board. We spent the last afternoon going over the gifts and entertainment policy in great detail, and the chief operating officer, who was also the chief compliance officer, um, was assuring the assessor that they had very tight controls and took uh, GME very seriously. All was going well. Near the close of the assessment, the assessor mentioned that he had never seen the, um, the Colosseum or the Vatican or any of the great sites in Rome. The COO told the assessor not to worry and that he would arrange for a car and tour guide to take him to all of these things over the next two days. My mouth dropped open. What about the policy we had just discussed? Surely the assessor was going to put that in his report right then and there. But to my surprise, the assessor was fully on board. He asked how soon he could leave and whether the tour guide could um, do the presentation in English. I had to tell them that I didn't think the company should be offering someone doing an independent assessment that kind of benefit, as it could be seen as trying to influence his judgment. They agreed to nix the trip, but neither of them spoke to me for the remainder of the day. Bummer. Oh, boy. Yep. That's that's one of those moments where you're you probably have the sanity check to yourself on that. 
Mm. So sticking in in Europe right now, um, (laughs) we (laughs) working on those segues there, Mary. Um, Working for, we have another story about working for an international travel and hospitality company that was based in Europe and did not initially have a U.S. subsidiary or operations there. Um, Eventually, they acquired some operations in the U.S. and we're now doing business in the U.S. However, they're not fairly cognizant of some of the different specific rules through OFAC and others, and particularly the prohibitions with Cuba. So although they were prohibited from sending people to gain business, maintain business, other things in Cuba, the the organization still kept doing that. Um, And eventually the compliance department became aware and realized. And eventually they decided they had to self-disclose. It turned into a very, very big deal. Um, And it was something that you know, it turned out for you know, compliance team, it was a way of maintaining value and helping out, but it was a very, very difficult lesson, which at the time can be pretty horrific. Mm, so. Absolutely. The next one um, is about a termination gone wrong. During a meeting where someone's employment was terminated, an employee who was very mild-mannered up until this point suddenly got extremely violent and scary and threatened the person who was leading the meeting. The, the employee said things like, if I'm going down, you're going down, and other threats that were considered terrorist threats. That is not the look that you want to have at any point. Always be classy. Never be crazy. Lisa? Here's a story um, in, about some training, training surprises. And it was the person who presented in was in China conducting anti-bribery and anti-corruption for training. And the head of the local office gave a great introduction and sat in the you know, front row of the session and was pr- it was showing the sponsorship tone from the top and local management because that can be really, really helpful um, to ensuring the message is listened to and given you know, proper attention by the local team. But then about 30 minutes through the uh, training session, realized that that same local leader had fallen fast asleep with his head back, mouth open, and snoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone could see it. So as the person did a scan around the room, uh, they were all looking to her to see what this person would do. Um, and, you know, as a trooper continued along with the presentation, but was thinking, you know, what do I do? Do you, do you wake the person up and ask questions? Um, and is that a losing face uh, or do you ignore it? And then there's also that moment of, you know, self-doubt of, is it that boring? You know, this mm. is the first time that someone's fallen asleep. And then unfortunately, a couple other people fell asleep in the audience, follow, you know, they follow tone from the top of their of lesson we needed to see. And at the end of the presentation, obviously the person was really disheartened, feeling like this trip had been a waste of time, a waste of money and effort. And then, you know, as people were lining up and somebody asked a question and said, you know, when you were talking about giving anything of value to a government official, um, you know, uh, I was wondering about something and the person was in the the accounting team and was processing a check payable to a local university for the college tuition of someone. Would that be someone of something of value? He asked the person at that moment, their mouth dropped to the floor and thought this is bad. But then the second thought was at least there was some value. Someone was listening and awake. Right. I really like that one. Yeah, I do too. I do too. (laughs) The next one is an allegation of sexual harassment came in through the helpline from a remote location. It alleged that the leader of that office, a male, was creating a hostile work environment and encouraging employees to tell off-color jokes and make lewd remarks about female employees on a regular basis. It was a small office, so there was no dedicated compliance person or uh, legal counsel who could assist with the investigation. So uh, centralized compliance decided to deputize the local HR person who was a woman to conduct an initial investigation so that they could utilize their local language skills to determine whether or not an outside investigator would be required. The uh, HR partner ran the investigation and uh, kept the team up to date and reported that she found no evidence of any type of harassment. The case was closed as unsubstantiated. About a week afterwards, another complaint came through the hotline about the same location. And this time, the allegation was that the local HR person, the one conducting the investigation, was having an an affair with the head of that office, the same person she had just investigated. So they decided to immediately bring in outside counsel, which was a local law firm that had been used for general legal advice about conducting business in that country previously. 
The outside lawyer ran a full investigation that confirmed the alleged affair, but he too issued an investigation report saying that there was no evidence of any type of harassment, only the consensual romantic relationship. So for a second time, the matter was closed as unsubstantiated. A week later, a new complaint came in through the helpline about that same location. And this time, the caller alleged that outside counsel was, in fact, the brother-in-law of the head of that office, the same man who was accused of harassing female employees. So, folks, we must be very wary of using local employees to investigate other local employees and make sure that we run conflict checks and due diligence on all outside counsel before we use them as investigators. Lisa, back to you. Wow, that is just amazing, actually. I'm it? wondering how large of a town we could be in. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, here's here's another one, which is um, you know, it's something it, it, thing we got were some interesting things that happened during interviews. And this one is someone was told in a, a CCO um, interview that the, the general counsel didn't mind whether the company was being swept up in an industry street sweep as the company needed to push the envelope, which begs wow. the question, what envelope? And generally, if the general counsel is feeling that way, you got to wonder where the rest of the people who are, you know, the business generators come out on that. I mean, right. Is there even an envelope? So That is edgy. Yeah. So, Mary, yes. what about you? Another one we got, um, again, um, uh, this is in the hiring process. Fantastic, you know, looking out for red flags here, not just when, you know, we're the ones being interviewed as candidates, but of course, whether we want to come join these companies. Another general counsel for another CCO role uh, told our submitter that Sarbanes-Oxley does not apply to their company as the company had its headquarters outside the U.S. Right, roll. <laughs> That's um, not good. Sort of, it's similar to when people say the opposite. Well, we're mostly in the U.S. You know, does why would the U.K. Bribery Act apply? Right, exactly. Yeah, All does. that good stuff. Exactly. Um, and we get the opposite too when I was living overseas. I don't understand why the FCPA would apply and so on. <laughs> yeah. So, so do, you have a, yep. do you have any horror stories? I do. I do. Um, thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, so my horror story actually is a horror story that converts to a fairy tale ending. Um, we are going to go back in time to around about uh, late 2014, early 2015. I was looking for a new job and um, it was with a biotechnology company headquartered in California. And so some of the um, people that I interviewed with traveled to Hong Kong where I was based. And then there was another interview after that with a gentleman in the US and um, it was a telephone interview. So I dialed in a little bit early as I'm prone to do. Um, and uh, what happened was that there were there was a larger number of people on the call than anyone had been expecting. Um, and what I quickly realized that I'm pretty sure um, the uh, interviewer took a minute to put together, but but uh, someone else realized as well is that the the last two, the the sort of the the two people in contention for this role, they'd accidentally scheduled us at the exact same time. Um, and so I was in the call with my competition and her identity was revealed to me. My identity was revealed to her. The, um, the interviewer took a moment to uh, piece things together. And um, eventually we, we ended up having our interview separately. Thank goodness. Um, and this role turned into a ghost story. Um, very apt for Halloween, despite the fact that I'd gone all the way through the process, the way I found out that I I was runner-up and didn't get the role was that I was chatting with a recruiter that I was friendly with about uh, seven or so days later. And he said, hey, Mary, did you hear that so-and-so's role has come up available at X company? And because I knew her name due to the privacy, um, uh, well, the lack of privacy, if you will, from the call, I knew that I'd lost out on the job. And to this day, I'm still waiting for them to have the courtesy to get back to me to let me know that I didn't get the job. Of course, that will never happen. Um, but the, the the fairy tale is is that the very next job that I applied for was for seniors medical care. And I ended up being hired, um, as many of you know, by Mark Stanley, who's been a fantastic mentor and sponsor for me. Had, um, had that particular road not turned up um, in my crossroads as it did, 
not only would I not necessarily be where I am today, which I'm I'm very proud of and happy to, to be here, including in the United States, um, living my American dream, um, but quite possibly I may not have met Lisa and the Great Woman in Compliance podcast may not have ever come into fruition or at least not in this format. Well, it's so funny that you said that because I was thinking the same thing as you were telling that story. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. but wait, you know, things happen as they're meant to be. Yeah. My first compliance friend might not have been Fresenius. Does that mean she would have still done that presentation? Where Exactly. We and I think that is, you know, a life interesting thing for all of us a little mm-hmm. bit is that these, these things that seem so, you know, big at the time, it, you know, it's not always, it's mm-hmm. not always that there's always the fairy tale, but there is a fairy tale and there is, I, I believe in a little bit of a, a meant to be. Um, yeah. You know, Lisa, I, I don't believe that um, everything happens for a reason, but I can say that I have found out uh, that I have found that every time I have been rejected for something that I thought was going to be good without fail, I have always um, being able to make space for something better that's come along. So um, I have found that to be true. And if anyone is sitting here suffering a disappointment right now, you never know what is around the corner and how much more sparkling and beautiful and uh, what a great future it will hold for you. Or, you know, different. I mean, I think we yeah. were talking about that earlier. There's different paths that I think many of us never thought we would end up taking that turned out yep. to be excellent. You just, it's hard to see that at the time. Yeah. Um, which has absolutely nothing to do with the last horror story that I'm going to share with you all, but it is actually one of my favorite stories from my prior employer cool. at Gate Gourmet. Um, yep. And it was all in, in the news in, in India. So it, it's all right that okay. um, sharing this. But several, several years ago, as we had revamped values and we're working on this project, we had all these different things. Um, there were you know, a lot of people that were in different locations all over the world. So we had a lot of time doing, and people all had their um, IDs and things on lanyards at the time. I mean, mm. you know, and so one of the things we did and people, you know, really liked them. We you know, were these, were these lanyards that you were the values lanyards mm-hmm. and, you know, someone would start their first day. And instead of getting one that said gate group or gate gourmet, it had our, our, our values. Um, and it really is one of those things that turned out, you know, these low value things that turn out to be really successful mm-hmm. and people really liked, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you just don't know. Now, we were having challenges, you know, in distributing them all over the world. You know, what's mm-hmm. the best approach? They get ordered from a different place. So one of the countries we weren't real sure what was happening with them was in India. Mm. So, and I, of course, was getting questions about tracking or other things, you know, all the glamorous parts of this. Mm. <laughs> and particularly, you know, have they been distributed in India? And I said, you know, they claim yes. I haven't seen the numbers. Mm. So anyway, just put that part of the story to the side for one second. At the same time, we find out that there was a illegal issue or a case where two people were arrested in one of the India facilities. And what they were doing, I don't remember where this article was anywhere, but they apparently um, were taking bars of gold. They were mm. gold smuggling. So it would go, wasn't anything, two, two kind of rogue employees put them under seats. They brought them in on, a, on an airline catering cart, put them mm. under different seats, balanced it out. Mm. And then when they flew in, I forget where, um, somewhere in the Middle East, somebody else who worked with them would come, pull the cart out, mm-hmm. get the gold. Do, do whatever one does after that. Um, mm-hmm. Not exactly clear. So you may be wondering how these two things would mm-hmm. work together. Mm-hmm. So I get the media article on it one day on one of the things, and I was able to call the, the chief compliance officer and say, I have some good news and some bad news. You know, the, the good news uh, apparently is that, you know, this smuggling ring has been broken and, you know, these things has, have happened. And obviously, you know, it was pretty clear from that that it wasn't related to, to, to our organization. These were rogue employees that we knew right away. That was mm. the good news. The bad news was they got their mugshots and they wore their lanyards. So <laughs> I was, even better news was able to confirm, however, that they were clearly distributed in India. Although I don't actually think anyone was thrilled about having the, the lanyards, you know, right on the front page of this media article with these two men in their mugshots with, you know, integrity uh-huh. and accountability right there. So just what you can say at the time, it was one of those, you put your head in your hands and you laugh, but that was mm-hmm. one of our true horror. It was a horror story, but it was one of those things where you could even laugh at the time, but yeah. no one really asked yeah. me about counting, counting the India lanyards again after that. Oh, so. I love that. Good one, Lisa. Thanks for sharing. 
So I think with that, we're going to close up where we're very excited for our slightly abbreviated winter, winter session or, you know, fall, late autumn, autumn session, because we'll, we'll then take a break around the holidays, like many will. Um, But with that in mind, again, thank you all who submitted it. Thank you Mm -hmm. to those of you who listen all the time. And I just want to reiterate one thing that Mary had mentioned at the beginning, which is we received some other things that were true horror stories and really heartbreaking and people that were kind of calling out about things that have happened, particularly related to some other ghosting things or some retaliation that they'd suffered or things in their departments. We didn't want to ruin the lighthearted conversation right now in some ways by, by, by raising that, but we are here for you. Our community wants to support one another um, and the heartbreak of what people are going through just makes you think a little bit more about what we're all going through in the big picture. Um, And I know Mary and I both say this a lot and think about it a lot, but, you know, be kind to everybody, you know, with the grace, we never know what everyone's battles are and they're not always the lighthearted or the things that you can kind of look back in retrospect and grimace a little bit. But, you know, I think that we want both wanted to share that as well. Um, Mary, and I think that yeah. covers when you came out on that too. Yeah, and, and Lisa, I know you're supposed to be closing this, um, but I, I, if, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love to uh, just pipe up with one additional point, which is that, you know, Lisa and I have, I think, pretty consistently so, so, um, solicited your comments and feedback and, and let the listeners know that, you know, we, we love hearing from you. And uh, just this last week, Lisa and I received what I'm going to loosely call fan mail. And I hope you don't think I'm arrogant, dear listener, for saying that. Um, but I, I can think of no other way to describe something that was so well thought out and lovingly written um, to show their gratitude for the podcast and, um, and and our efforts in putting that together. So I just wanted to say a big thank you as well. That actually came for me um, at a time where... I needed it, um, and to receive that uplifting message, um, please know that we read everything that you send us, and uh, it really makes a difference to our day. So thank you for your kindness um, that helps us get through some of the the less smooth times in life as well. Yeah, and also, yes, thank you for showing us as you know grace on those things too. We, we're mm. we're figuring it out like everybody is, um, but we also wanted those of you who've reached out with things that are very heart wrenching to know that they, they matter mm-hmm. um, as, as do these things that, you know, will brighten up our days um, mm-hmm. on that too. So with that, I mean, I really do hope that everybody has a spooky Halloween. That's fun with good, <laughs> with good, with good candy or whatever people will do all over the world. Um, I have some excellent, you know, dog, dog Halloween <laughs> photographs, but I won't torture everyone with that. But on, on behalf of Mary and on, on me and the Compliance Podcast Network. So thank you all so much for soliciting being a part of the community and I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.